0: Hi there and welcome. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheeley from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. As we close out the week on this Friday program, we turn our attention once again to First Corinthians chapter five. We're continuing throughout the week a look at God's discipline. What does he discipline? Why, and what is the outcome? Those are questions we are answering as Pastor Leighton Sheely continues in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Won't you join us and be encouraged when it comes to understanding just how loving our Father is, enough to discipline us, to keep us on a holy path. Here's Pastor Leighton Sheely as we begin today's study verse by
1: verse from Church of the Highlands right here in San Bruno. Now, if we exercise self-discipline, then we need not be disciplined, and that's taught very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, which reads, If we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. This is 1 Corinthians eleven thirty-one. 31. Now, in most modern English translations, it's uh, not clear, but the original language is actually two words, both translated, judged. If we judged ourselves rightly, that word is diacrino, it means to contend with to uh, wrestle with, to discipline ourselves. If we discipline ourselves, we would not be judged. The word there is krino, which means the trial. So in other words, if we exercise self-discipline, then we're not going to be tra- brought to trial. If we don't exercise self-discipline, then we will be brought to trial. And the trial it's speaking of is for God's discipline. Now, why do we as believers need to exercise self-discipline? Well, the answer is, in part, that there's this war that's going on inside of every believer, a war between the Spirit and the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 says, "...for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other." They are at war with each other. And we participate in this war, and the way we participate in this war is, in part, by how we set our minds. Romans chapter 8, 5 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. And so the Scriptures tell us that we participate in this war depending on how we set our minds and that we should set our minds on things of the Spirit, not on things of the flesh. So, as Christians, we are to to set our minds, we are to discipline our thoughts, we are to bring our thoughts captive to obey Christ. Now, the San Francisco Bay Area is an awful lot like the Corinth of Paul's day. Both cities were known for their sexual activities and uh, perversions, and their culture was absolutely saturated with sexual thought. Now, I should probably mention that again today. Our message would probably be rated PG if it was rated, uh, because we're talking about this matter of sex. And why are we talking about it? Because we're a Bible church, and the Bible talks about sex. Therefore, we're going to talk about what the Bible talks about. I had several members of the congregation come up after the last service and uh, last week and say things like, Pastor, I know that was not an easy message to bring, but we're so glad that we come to a church where the Word of God is taught faithfully, even on these sensitive issues. And, and I'd like to say that, you know, if you were brought up where the Word is offensive to you, I apologize. I don't mean to offend you, uh, but that the Bible uses the Word, and, and we need to understand what the Bible has to say. I also had a mom come up to me after one of the services last week and said, "Uh, I'm really glad that you're teaching on this, Pastor, but I'm a little sensitive. My 11-year-old son may have heard something new. (laughs) I assured her that unless she was raising her son in a refrigerator, (laughs) that he probably knew a lot more than mom thought he knew, Uh, such is the nature of raising children in modern America. I also want to point out one thing, and that is if you're a guest this morning, we don't talk about this subject every week, okay? So it just so happens that we are studying 1 Corinthians, and that's the subject of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality uh, among you. Now, last week we uh, recounted a few uh, statistics about the misuse of sex in America. And somebody might ask, well, why is sex such a significant issue? Well, let me see if I can answer that a few ways. Uh, one of the ways is from a biblical uh, frame of reference. In, uh, in initially, the, the church was primarily Jewish. Now, uh, Jews are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Everyone else is a Gentile. And uh, the Jews... Um, uh, I had a chance to visit Israel in 1996, and and I came to a fresh appreciation of an understanding of the complexity of the Jewish culture. And I came to the conclusion that unless you were born and raised Jewish it was almost impossible to become Jewish because from the time that they are children, they are taught about God, they are taught about God's Word, they are taught about guidelines for diet, they are taught about guidelines for behavior, they are taught about biblical guidelines for marriage and family and so much more. And this is the situation that happened in uh, Acts chapter 10... The Holy Spirit sends Peter out to a Gentile home to present the gospel. The gospel is presented, it's accepted, the Holy Spirit confirms that salvation is for the Gentiles also. And so all of a sudden into the church starts pouring in Gentiles who had absolutely no knowledge of God, no knowledge of God's Word, no knowledge of God's expectation. They were totally godless in, their, in their, what they were raised and it created problems in the church. How do you deal with these people that are coming in off the streets, if you will, accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Well, the church leaders got together for a council in Acts chapter 15, and they deliberated this issue. How do we uh, help these Gentiles that are coming into the church? And the Apostle James stood up in Acts chapter fifteen nineteen, and he said, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. So what the Apostles, uh, what the apostles decide is that there is only four expectations for new believers— now, of course, there's going to be additional expectations for believers as they grow in their faith, their knowledge of the Word of God. They say, oh, I didn't know that was there. I need to pay attention to that as well. But as people come in, there's only four expectations for no, new, new believers. So let's look at what those expectations are. Don't drink blood. Any of you folks have a problem with that? Most people don't. Not a big issue, right? Abstain from food offered idols. Big issue? Small issue, right? Abstain from meat of strangled animals. Big issue, small issue. Abstain from sexual immorality. Big issue. Big issue. So out of the four expectations, sexual immorality is the one that's most prevalent challenge for new believers, and Satan oftentimes uses this issue to keep new believers from getting past the new believers phase in their growth, in their spiritual journey. Now... To look at the question, why is sex so significant, from another frame of reference, uh, practical frame of reference, is that sex is addicting. An addiction is something that controls an individual. If allowed to be addictive, Satan can use sex to control a believer. If a believer is under the control of this addiction, then the believer is not under the control of the Holy Spirit. If the believer is not under the control of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are diminished, the testimony of the believer is tarnished, the assurance of salvation for the believer is in question, and Satan has effectively sidelined what would otherwise be a spiritual warrior in opposition. Dr. Douglas Weiss, PhD, has done research and concludes that sex affects the same location in the human brain as does cocaine, the medial preoptic nucleus, the location in the brain that elicits the highest level of behavioral reward. It creates a bond between the person and whatever or whoever they are looking at or imagining at the time of the electrochemical reaction. At this level the brain cannot determine whether the reward is for doing something good or bad, right or wrong. All it knows at this level is that it is experiencing an exceptional electrochemical reward and wants to experience it again and and uh, in the future and that and that's why cocaine is so addicting. And that's why sex is so addicting. It's, it, it's so bonding. Now, God intended for sex between a man and his wife to be bonding. But whatever God intends for good, Satan will twist for his evil purposes. And he uses the addictive qualities of sex for his own purposes and destroys lives in the process. Now, the environment that we live in as Americans really exacerbates the challenges of resisting sexual temptation more so than previous generations. Over, most of the, over the centuries of, of, of mankind's existence, most people were farmers. And they spent most of their day from sunup until sundown looking at the south end of a northbound mule. And when they got home, they were thoroughly exhausted. And There was no television. There was no internet. They'd sit over the fire, around the fire with their family, having dinner and enjoying each other's company. But things have changed. According to the front page article in Time magazine, issue of October 30, 2000, throughout most of human history, boys and girls went through hormonal changes around the age of 15 to 17 years old. They also got married around the age of 17 years old, which meant that, on average, they wrestled with their hormonal changes a year or two, perhaps. But because of the proliferation of technology and, therefore, complexity of living in a modern Western civilization, people tend to defer marriage until after college. According to the USA Today newspaper, dated November 9, 2008, the average age of marriage in America, as of 2007, for men was 27 and a half years old, for women 25.6 years old. What this means is that instead of wrestling with these hormones for a year or two, people are wrestling with the hormones for about 15 years on average which is contributing to gender confusion. We are focusing on
0: God's discipline, especially as it relates to us as believers in Christ and the sexual revolution, is the term I think we've used in times past. What does God think about all of this and how does he keep you and I as believers in Christ on the right road? These are questions we are answering as we continue working through 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We thank you for spending time with us today. If you have questions, as always, you're welcome to visit our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. If you're planning on visiting us here at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, directions, service times, it's all available again at our website, highlands.us. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday for another broadcast of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely.